0: Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants Inn Chambers. In our podcast series, we are going to discuss a range of topics affecting police officers and anyone involved in the criminal justice system. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com. I'm Deborah Britstone from 3D Solicitors, and I'm here with James Berry, a barrister at Sargent's Inn Chambers. The public has very real and understandable concern about the increase in violent crime, and particularly knife crime. In the year to March 2019, police forces in England and Wales recorded more than 47,000 offences involving knives an 8% increase year on year, and the highest total since records began. One way of trying to tackle this increase in violent crime is by the use of stop and search. James, can you explain the police powers of stop and search?
1: Well, the police have a range of statutory powers of stop and search available to them, depending on the circumstances. Most, but not all of these powers, require an officer to have reasonable grounds for suspicion that an unlawful item is being carried by the individual they want to search. The one thing these powers have in common is that they allow officers to stop and detain a person who is not under arrest and is not even suspected of having committed a criminal offence in order to search them or their vehicle for an unlawful item. The main search powers are those in Part 1 of the Police and Criminal Evidence Act 1984, or PACE, Section 60 of the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act 1994, Section 23 of the Misuse and Drugs Act 1971, and under provisions of the Terrorism Act 2000.
0: Concerns about stop and search are often reported in the media. Why is it so controversial?
1: Well, from time to time, there have been concerns reported in the media that stop and search powers are being used excessively, and in particular, that they're being used disproportionately against ethnic minorities. It's argued that this is counterproductive because it reduces the confidence of minority communities in the police, which is, of course, important in this country where policing is undertaken by consent. When she was the Home Secretary, Theresa May tried to limit the use of stop and search primarily because of the perception that it was being used disproportionately against ethnic minorities. But the context is, of course, all important. At that time, crime rates were much lower than they are now. And what we've seen more recently in the media in response to the increase, particularly in knife crime in London, is calls for greater use of stop and search, not less. That is not to say, of course, that concerns about discrimination have gone away. The very first page of the Pace Code A, issued in 2015, sets out the principles governing stop and search. And it says, powers to stop and search must be used fairly responsibly, with respect for people being searched and without unlawful discrimination, and it goes on to set out the police's obligations under the Equality Act. It also points out that if stop-and-search powers are not used properly, any evidence obtained during the search may be open to challenge.
0: Clearly the police want to show that they're using stop-and-search both effectively and appropriately. What does the College of Policing Guidance and PACE Code A define as an appropriate use of stop-and-search powers?
1: The College of Policing guidance states that using the powers appropriately means acting lawfully and in a manner which is proportionate to the circumstances. So officers must have reasonable grounds to use the powers, use them without any bias or in favour of any person or group, do no more than is necessary to achieve a lawful aim and follow the correct and proper processes. Appropriate use of stop and search also means officers adopting a procedural justice approach which means making decisions fairly and treating people respectfully. The guidance counsels that officers should first make impartial decisions based on facts and explain those decisions. Second, give people an opportunity to tell their side of the story and listen to them. Third, demonstrate that they are trustworthy. And fourth, treat people with respect and dignity.
0: Some of the stop and search powers, like those under Part 1 of PACE and Section 23 of the Misuse of Drugs Act 1971, state that reasonable grounds to suspect are required. What are those reasonable grounds?
1: It's well established in case law that reasonable grounds to suspect is a low threshold. It falls short of reasonable grounds to believe and well short of a prima facie case. It must, however, be based on objective grounds. PACE Code A is helpful on this point and explains that there are two stages – First, the officer must have formed a genuine suspicion in their own mind that they will find the object that the search power allows them to search for. Secondly, the suspicion that the object will be found must be reasonable. That means that there must be an objective basis for the suspicion based on information relevant to the likelihood that the object will be found so that a reasonable person would be entitled to reach the same conclusion as the police officer based on the same information. Code A explains that personal factors can never be used to found reasonable grounds for suspicion. So that means people's physical appearance, unless of course the police have information about the person suspected of carrying an article which includes an actual description of their appearance, or generalisations or stereotypical images of certain groups or categories of people that they're more likely to be involved in criminal activity.
0: James, can you give us an overview of some of the recent government figures in relation to stop and search?
1: Overall, there were 277,378 stop and search instances in England and Wales in the last financial year. That's a rate of five per every thousand people. And that's actually down from 23 per every thousand people in 2009-10. Rates of stop and search have fallen for every ethnic group since 2009-10. However, they've fallen at different rates for different ethnic groups. But it's still the case in 2017-18 that there were three stop and searches for every thousand white people compared with 29 stop and searches for every thousand black people. So you can see where the concern about discrimination emanates from. The force, which is the largest force in the country, but also has the largest or highest rate of stop and search instances, is the Metropolitan Police, with 16 stop and searches for every 1,000 people.
0: What should an officer think about when considering using their power of stop and search?
1: Officers should bear in mind these four core principles. First, the decision to stop or search a person must be fair Second, the search must be legal in its basis and also in its application. The officer should know the power that they are using and keep within it. And if the power requires reasonable grounds for suspicion, the officer should ensure that they have a proper basis for that suspicion. Third, interaction with the public during the encounter must be professional. And fourth, police use of stop and search powers must be transparent and accountable. That means that the search, And the basis for the search should be properly documented by the officer.
0: And that's all very good in theory, but there can obviously be real on-the-street challenges for officers. The government has recently authorised enhanced stop-and-search powers as part of the efforts to crack down on knife crime. Can you explain what those enhanced powers are?
1: In August, the new Home Secretary Priti Patel empowered more than 8,000 police officers to authorise enhanced stop-and-search powers under Section 60 of the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act, and that's part of the government's efforts to crack down on knife crime. Section 60 empowers officers to stop-and-search anyone where there is a danger of serious violence in a designated area without the need for reasonable grounds for suspicion. The proposed new powers are aimed at reducing the level of authorisation needed for officers to deploy the extended Section 60 from senior officers to inspectors and superintendents. To lower the degree of certainty required by the authorising officer so that they must reasonably believe that an incident involving serious violence may occur rather than that it will occur, and also extending the initial period that a Section 60 can be in force from 15 to 23 hours and extending the overall period and extension can be in place from 39 to 48 hours.
0: The government's also announced that it's due to publish guidance on the Offensive Weapons Act, including the use of knife crime prevention orders. What are these and how will they be used in practice?
1: So this will pave the way for new criminal offences, including preventing the delivery to persons aged under 18 of knives bought online. This is seen as a way to get around the restrictions on under 18s purchasing knives in shops and also making it illegal to sell and deliver corrosive products to persons under the age of 18. And this is in particular due to the rise in acid attacks. KCPOs are civil orders, are civil restraining orders, like ASBOs, which can be imposed by the courts on any person aged 12 or over to prevent vulnerable individuals from becoming involved in knife crime. These KPOs will enable courts to impose conditions such as curfews or requirements to attend educational courses that will help people resist being drawn into violence and help the police officers manage those at risk in the community.
0: Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. For more updates on police law, follow the Sargentson Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com.